Well, we all want to live as close to Jesus as we can, don't we? In fact, we have made that our goal, to get as close to Jesus as we can, to follow in His footsteps. And there are some of us together this morning who are just beginning that process. There are some who've been at that process for 50 or more years. But we're trying to be more and more like God would want us to be, to be closer to Jesus in our everyday lives. And I think we would like to think that if we can get close enough to Jesus, then we won't have anything to worry about. If we can get close enough to Jesus, then all of the troubles and temptations that we go through in life will go away and things will be smooth and easy for us. But I want to tell you, the devil will never give up on his desire to destroy us. The devil is never going to give up in his desire to tempt us and cause us to sin. No matter how close we can get to Jesus, and even though we can get really close to Jesus, we're still going to be tempted. We're still going to have trials. The devil is still going to try and get us. Now, the temptations may be different for those who are close to Jesus than those who are farther away. But we're always going to have temptations, and those temptations are real, and those temptations can be deadly. We need to be prepared to deal with the temptations that we're going to face, even though we may be close to Jesus. To prepare for those temptations, I'd like to look at the lives of some men who were very close to Jesus and were faced with various, very serious temptations in their lives in spite of their close proximity to Jesus. There were 12 men that I want to look at this morning, men who were literally close to Jesus, who traveled with Jesus, who heard Jesus speak, and yet were very, very much tempted. You know these men that we're talking about this morning. We're talking about the 12 apostles. This morning I want to look at the temptations and trials that the 12 apostles went through to learn what lessons that we can learn from those who were very close to Jesus and see some of the temptations that they had to deal with so we could be prepared to deal with like temptations in our lives. What were some temptations that the 12 apostles faced in their lives that we need to be prepared to face in ours? I'll tell you the first one that they dealt with we want to look at this morning is the temptation to become exclusive. When we are close to Jesus, when we're trying to live like we should, we're trying to live like Jesus in every aspect of our lives, the temptation is to look down our noses at others and assume that they're not as close to Jesus as they ought to be. And so we look at other people who maybe are not part of our immediate group and we're, we're tempted to think, well, they're probably not as faithful as they ought to be in some aspect of their lives. It goes like this. We're trying to be faithful to Christ here at South Franklin. We know what we're about. We know what we stand for. We know what we do. We know what our convictions are. And then we see other groups of Christians, whether they're here in this area or other places in, around the world, and we start to wonder. We start to wonder, 
Do they have the same approach to scriptures that we do? Do they believe the same, same things we do? Do they engage in the same kind of activities as we do? Is their worship the same as ours? We look crossways at them maybe because they're not a part of this group. Our first assumption, though, is to assume, well, there's so many groups in error. They probably are, too. In fact, we're probably the only group that can go so far as to say we were the only group that's still loyal to Christ. Everybody else has probably gone off in the weeds. Or it can go like this. We meet another person who claims to be a Christian, and we start to wonder, do they have the same approach to Scriptures as we do? Are they committed to being different from the world? Are they committed to doctrinal purity? Probably not. There's got to be something wrong with them. There's so many people who are wrong in this area or that, you can never be sure. And this person must be too. too. The disciples were tempted to become exclusive in their thinking. In Mark chapter 9, in Mark chapter 9, verse 38, John answered him saying, Teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us, casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he does not follow us. But Jesus said, Do not forbid him, for no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is on our side. The disciples found someone that was not in their immediate group, and they assumed immediately that person is, needs to be rebuked. They're not what they need to be. And Jesus says, No, not so fast. I want to be clear, Jesus is not teaching ecumenicalism here where anybody who claims to be a follower of Christ needs to be accepted and they're fine. Just so long as you claim to be a Christian, you're good. As long as a church claims to be following Christ, they're good. No, Jesus is not saying that. But Jesus is telling us, and the disciples were guilty of this, of assuming if someone's not in my immediate group, then they must be wrong. And we've seen that, haven't we? We've seen folks, we've seen Christians who assumed that others were wrong just because they weren't in their immediate group. Maybe they weren't members of their local congregation. We've got to be careful that we don't fall into that same trap that the apostles fell into and Jesus condemns them of here. There's some serious dangers. There's serious dangers. John was thinking, you know, I'm as close to Christ as I can be, and this dude isn't close to me, therefore he must not be close to Christ. That's not how it works. There's some serious dangers to our faith when we become exclusive, like John was here. First of all, it can be very depressing. It can be very depressing because you quickly begin to think, well, I'm the only person who loves God. Or maybe this close group of people around me are the only people who love God and want to serve Him. And everyone else is sold out to the devil. Remember how Elijah thought? Remember Elijah said, I'm the only person left and they're trying to kill me. And God said, no, you're not. I want to tell you, this room of Christians, we're not the only people that are left. There are others who are still faithful to God. We not, need not get exclusive. And second, if we start to think this way in exclusivity that we're close to Christ and no one else is, I'll tell you what, it does an incredible number to your pride. Boy, does it lift you up when you think everyone else is sold out, but you're the only one standing strong. You think you're really special. 
You're the one who's the sole defender of the gospel. You're something special. We're going to be careful about being exclusive. Again, we're not talking about ecumenicalism here where anybody who claims to be a Christian is and good and we need to accept them. No. But we need to be careful in assuming that just because we're close to Christ and we don't have contact with others that they're not close to Christ. There are others who are being faithful to God. We need to be avoiding the temptation to become exclusive. I'll tell you something else that the apostles struggled with as a temptation for them and can be a temptation for us if we are striving to live close to Christ, and that is the temptation to not show mercy. When we get close to Christ, we can very easily forget where we came from. We can forget what we used to be and how we've changed. We can forget that our understanding of Scripture, what it used to be, and how it has changed. When we're close to Christ, the temptation is to forget how much mercy and how much grace we have required in our past and how much mercy and grace it took for us to get where we are today. And so when we see another Christian who may be struggling and who's not what they need to be, the temptation is to come unglued The temptation is to give it to them with both barrels. The temptation is to let them have it for all of their inadequacies and their shortcomings and their failure to be the mature Christians they ought to be. Really let them have it because I've forgotten where I came from. I've forgotten the mercy and grace that I have required in my life and I can't tolerate anyone else who's not what they ought to be. James and John face this temptation in Luke chapter 9, beginning of verse 51. In Luke chapter 9, verse 51, Now it came to pass, when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, and sent messengers before his face, and as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him, because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord... Do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Can you sense James and John's indignation here? They're with Christ. They're traveling with Christ. And they come into this city and the city won't receive them. How dare they not accept Christ? Let's call down fire immediately on them and just consume these guys. What dirty dogs they are. Jesus says, not so fast. I tell you, we've got to be careful. If we're not careful, we'll do what James and John did in very short order. You remember James and John, in very short order, are going to forsake Jesus and flee. They've got this indignation on this city that won't receive Jesus. What are they going to do? They're going to forsake him and flee. They're going to need mercy, just as this city needed mercy. Have you ever seen this in the lives of Christians? Lives of Christians who have a long list of shortcomings. But when they see a flaw in someone else's life, they attack it with a vengeance. When another's faults are manifested, 
It's like that shark that smells blood in the water. Boy, they circle around and they go in for the kill. When we come across another Christian who's struggling, who needs to grow, instead of showing them mercy and helping them, we attack and destroy. And when we're close to Jesus, we can quickly forget our flaws and fail to show mercy like we did. That was a challenge and a temptation for the 12 apostles. We need to be aware of that. There's another temptation when you live close to Christ, and that is the temptation to look like you have it all figured out. When we're close to Christ, when we're trying to live like we should, we can be tempted to believe that we have to look like we've got it all figured out. I've got to put on this facade that I've got it all figured out, and I can't let anyone know that there might be a subject that I have questions about. There might be a subject that I haven't thoroughly studied yet. I can't let anyone know that. I've got to put up this facade that I am a walking encyclopedia. You just asked me the question, I got the answers. And so when a topic is brought up that we haven't studied in the past or that we don't have a good grasp of, we feel some shame. Uh-oh. I let them know that I haven't studied that topic, or if I haven't studied that hot-button issue, it's going to reflect poorly on me. If I don't like, act like I have it all understood on this Bible subject, it look, might make it look like I'm not as smart about my Bible as I ought to be. And so I'm going to put up this facade. I got it all figured out. I know it all. And what's worse, when we're motivated by this type of thinking, that we have to have it all figured out, Many times, we'll just grab a hold of the nearest possible explanation so, that, so we can have an answer. Well, I haven't really studied this out, but I remember a preacher taught me about this, so I'm just going to take that, and I'm going to present that as truth, even though I haven't studied it out, because i got to look like I've got it all figured out. The disciples face this challenge and this temptation in Mark chapter 9. In Mark chapter 9, beginning verse 31, notice there temptation. Mark 9, verse 31, For he taught his disciples and said to them, The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And after he is killed, he will rise the third day. But they did not understand this saying and were afraid to ask him. The apostles needed some clarification, and they had Jesus there who could have given them the answer, but what? They didn't ask. Why? Because they're scared. We don't want to look like we don't know, so let's just keep our mouth shut. Let's not raise our hand and say, Jesus, could you give me a little bit more detail there? That'd make me look foolish. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. You see the, how costly this was to them? All they needed to do was ask, and they could have had the understanding, but they were afraid. What might have been different on that Thursday night in the garden when they all forsook him and fled? if they had just raised their hand and asked a question. I'll tell you, brethren, we don't have to have it all figured out. We need to be studying and searching the Scriptures. But don't be afraid to ask a question. Don't be afraid to say, I need help with that. You don't have to have it all figured out. No one's going to look down at you if you don't understand a certain Bible topic. Let's ask questions. Let's avoid this temptation to have to look like we've got it all figured out. 
There's another temptation, the fourth one that we want to look at this morning that the apostles faced as they lived close to Jesus, and that was the desire for prominence. The temptation to desire prominence. When we get close to Jesus, that's often not enough for us. No, when we get close to Jesus, we want to be the closest to Jesus. We want to be the best. We want to be better than everyone else. We want to be looked at as the best Christian there is, the most prominent Christian, the greatest person that's close to Jesus. I want to be seen as the best person in this congregation, the best Bible class teacher, the best preacher, the best defender of the truth. That's me. I want to be that person. I want to be the best giver of hospitality the best encourager of the saints, the best visitor of the fatherless and widows. That's me. I want to be that person. I want to be the best. I want to be seen as the greatest. I want everybody looking at me so I can look down at them. I want to be the greatest. After all, I'm making a lot of sacrifices to get this close to Jesus, and I want to be recognized for it. I want everybody to appreciate all the sacrifices and all the great things I'm doing. I need that recognition. I need that prominence. The apostles had this temptation. In Mark chapter 9, beginning verse 33. Then when he came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent. For on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. The apostles are having a little fight. I'm better than you. No, I'm better than you. No, I'm better than you. Having a dispute over who could be the greatest. And at a time like this, as Jesus is facing his crucifixion, isn't it disgusting for them to be concerned about who's going to be the greatest when he's getting ready to die for them? And they're worried about who's going to be number one apostle? How foolish and how disgusting. I'll tell you, it's just the same for me and for you today. When we get wrapped up in who's going to be the greatest, who's going to be the most prominent, it's foolish, it's disgusting, and it's shameful. And can we add from this context that it causes disputes? How many disputes are caused because we have pride? Because we want to be the best. The apostles face this temptation. And those who are trying to live close to Jesus face this temptation. We've got to be aware of it. Number five this morning. As we try to live close to Jesus. I want to tell you there's a temptation as we try to live close to Jesus to put relationships above the truth. When we get close to Jesus, it's natural that we're going to bond with other people who are trying to get close to Jesus. That's natural. That's good. We need to have a bond among brethren. There are others who are dealing with the same challenges that we are, that are making the same sacrifices as we are. And we're going to gravitate to these people because we have a lot in common. We've got a bond as we try to live for Christ. We want to be an encouragement to others. We want to help each other. We're going to have strong relationships with other people who are trying to live close to Christ. That's good. That's normal. 
In fact, that's something we're instructed to do in the Bible, to have these close relationships. But there's a danger with that. And the danger is that we can allow these relationships to interfere with our relationship to God and our relationship to the truth. It was a temptation for Peter in Galatians chapter 2. In Galatians chapter 2, beginning of verse 11. Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. Now here's how serious this is. How big a temptation this is to put your relationship with others over your relationship with God and the truth. Peter is led astray because he respected his relationship with others over his relationship to God and acceptance of the truth. Now, what's terrifying about this is that Peter is the one who was responsible for helping the first Gentile convert. He had seen a vision from heaven telling him that Gentiles are okay. He had seen this message from God. He had gone to Cornelius and he had seen the Holy Spirit fall on them. He knew beyond a shadow of doubt that Gentiles are accepted. And yet here come these Jews. They're not Jews that are coming to persecute Christians. These are other Jewish Christians. And he respects that relationship so much. He's so committed and concerned about that relationship that he separates himself from the Gentiles and he takes other people with him because he respected his relationship with others above the truth. And it's a problem and a temptation for us, and we need to be aware of it. Have you ever seen others who allowed their relationship with a preacher or someone that they respected to come between them and the truth? Have you ever seen others who allowed their relationship with a family member come between them and condemning error? Have you ever seen anyone who allowed their relationship with Christians that they went to college with come between them and standing up for what was right? Have you ever seen others who allowed their friendship with others in the congregation, maybe others that they were really close to, good old hunting buddies or good old yard sailing buddies that were going off in error and they allowed that friendship to come between them and condemning the error and pulling that person out of the fire. This is a temptation. It was a temptation for Peter of all people, who knew better. But he allowed that relationship to come between him and the truth. It can be a real temptation for us. And finally, as we try to live close to Jesus, as we look at the challenges and temptations that the apostles faced, Hey, the last one that we will look at this morning is potentially the most dangerous. And that is the temptation to overestimate our faith. When we try to get close to Jesus, we can, by virtue of our proximity to Him, begin to think that our faith is something that it isn't. We can overestimate it and we can take it for granted. After all, you don't get close to Jesus without a lot of effort. It takes a lot of study. It takes a lot of application. It takes a lot of sacrifices. It takes maybe even persecution to get close to Jesus. And so when you get close to Him, you think maybe it's all okay. You can let up. You can overestimate your faith. 
You can think that your faith will never fail. You can take it for granted. And the apostles certainly faced this temptation. In Matthew chapter 26, Matthew chapter 26, look at verse 31 beginning. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you this night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples, all the apostles, overestimated their faith. It wasn't just Peter, who happened to be the most vocal, perhaps. All of the apostles who had traveled with Jesus, had heard Him teaching, had seen His miracles, were just about as close to Him as you could get. All of them overestimated their faith, and there were dire consequences. You remember what happened after this proclamation? Ah, no way, well, I deny you. You remember what happened? They went into the garden, what did they do? They slept. Jesus said, wake up, pray, so that you don't enter into temptation. What did they do? They slept. They overestimated their faith, and they fell as a result. And so it will be of us as well if we overestimate our faith. We can never take our faith for granted. We have to give attention to it to keep it healthy. We've got to be studying on a daily basis and growing and not taking our faith for granted. I'm, I'm close to Jesus. That'll never get me. I don't have to worry about that. I am a Christian dedicated to Christ, and I'm living to Him as close to Him as I can be. Nothing will get me. No, it got them. And it can get us if we're not careful. And like the apostles, the results can be catastrophic. Temptations for those who are living close to Jesus. The apostles weren't free from temptations, were they? Now, granted, their temptations were probably different than those who were living in the world. But they were temptations nonetheless, temptations that were serious threats to their soul. And as we try to live close to Jesus, we'll face serious temptations as well. The temptation to become exclusive. The temptation to not show mercy. The temptation to have to act like I have it all figured out. The temptation to desire prominence, to place relationships over the truth. And finally, the temptation to overestimate our faith. Let us be on guard against these temptations and all the temptations that the devil will bring at us so that we can remain faithful to God. How are you living this morning? Are you living a life that's pleasing to God? Are you striving to stay close to Jesus and be on guard against these temptations that will come our way so we can be faithful to God? If you're here this morning and you need the prayers of the saints, or if there's anything we can do to help you spiritually, will you let us know while we stand and while we sing?